It's being picked up because I think it captures people's imagination to sort of go with the theme of the possible futures. It's really nice when you can do something that you enjoy, but also it captures people's eye on the street and then encourages them to do something good. Hello and welcome to the E17 Art Trail podcast series. Now in its 17th year, the E17 Art Trail will run from the 1st to the 18th of July. It's a creative festival showcasing the abundant creativity of Walthamstow's multicultural artistic community and is curated by the fabulous Artillery Massive. This year's theme is Possible Futures and we look forward to definitely chatting with some of the trail's participants. to talk about the 2020 Hindsight Art Trail. It's on the 11th of July. It is. It is on Zoom via Eventbrite. You can book via the Art Trail website and please book early so that I can get your email addresses and I can send you a Zoom link. I am Other Teresa, so I was hosting these 2020 Hindsight Creative Writing Workshops and the aim was really to get people motivated to meet some deadlines and have a bit of fun and to be able to share our words in so we did monologues we did flash fiction micro fiction they say what was it smoke long fiction they call it in japan something that if you were and i'm not advocating smoking but to if you had a smoking cigarette it would take you as long to read it as it would finish cigarette and then we finished with poetry a bit of free for really so it was up to anybody what they wanted to write as long as it was under five minutes long so that's what you were going to get a taste of and we have a number of participants and i have simon cole with me who lives on a houseboat hello i do yeah the sonnet that was the hardest bit for me i think and that's why i chose to do it because it took me out of my comfort zone which is one of the good things about doing a course is that you will do things that you wouldn't otherwise do because you've been told to I wouldn't have chosen to write a sonnet and I wasn't particularly pleased with the end result but I very much enjoyed being set the task yeah but didn't you give another of the participants a particularly difficult task to do I think it was Elsa you said to Elsa why don't you write a really dystopian poem um, because a lot of the stuff that she was writing about was quite upbeat and positive and you really put her through the mill literally and gave her something to do and it was brilliant wasn't it we can all benefit, I think, from putting ourselves... I mean, isn't that what a lot of writers do? They put themselves in other people's shoes. They have a strong sense of empathy, I think. And so, yeah, it's good for all of us. I'm, I'm very much aware that I have... Uh, is it heuristics, they call them, in, in philosophy or psychology, where you just have these shortcuts? So it's good to break your routine. It's good to challenge your assumptions, I think, and it's good to write in a different way, in a different... I mean, I'm saying all this, I don't do it. Apart from, <laughs> apart from when I'm on a course and someone says, why don't you do this? Cause, and I go, oh, I don't want to do this. And they say, but it'll be good for you. And of course, it is. It's, it's good medicine. Doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. Yeah, yeah, that for sure. Cliche. I mean, I, I suppose in another dimension, I, I wrote that sonnet and found out I was an incredible sonnet writer and now I'm famous. Um, just not in this dimension.
You wrote some pretty good, I, I think you should just read it. This is a bit of a taster, it's called Faith in the Future. Yeah, this is local, right? So this is just me walking on the wetlands up at Black Horse Road, so people may even recognise the location. But it's called Faith in the Future. As eastward traffic fumes, a line of driverless vans appears above the vehicles and their long dotted line of red brake lights. Invisible white van men are running west at a decent pace. Split screen surreal. It takes a second to process what's happening. It's a long train of car transporter wagons up on the railway embankment that cuts off the wetlands from the tarmac suburban tedium outside. I do a double take at this robotic line of vans that is immediately followed by equally empty cars. The train takes two minutes to pass. Two minutes for just one train of one vehicle brand in one small country. So that's where our natural resources go. Underneath, the huge letters of a tatty billboard for an obsolete monopoly broadband provider says, technology will save us. So that is Super Flash, and this is really a taster. Now we know that this showcase is going to take place on the eve of the Euro finals, and we are not phased by that. You can get ready, you can have your PIMS ready, whatever it is that you've got ready, a lager or whatever. 12 pack of special brew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just get yourself ready. You can have this on the background. You don't even need your face on this, even though it's on Zoom. We will be the gallery of words, and you'll just hear and see the writers performing their own work. I say performing. We're not performers. We are going to be reading the work, but I think it's really special that it is coming from the mouths and the imaginations of the writers and being brought to you live, uh, as it will be. <laughs> and we have quite a few people confirmed to come on and if your attention is short then that's fine because everything that will be heard is going to be less than five minutes long per piece what else do we have to say anything at all no just come on down to the e17 art trail 2021 and, and you don't have to miss the football and you don't have to miss the football no get involved So yeah, I'm Emily Taylor. My unit is number 10A, and that's in the Black Horse Trail. And it's 10A to 10E. So my show is Adventures in Abstract. So I'm showcasing lots of mixed media artwork um, on canvas. So using kind of lots of different paints and styles and techniques, inks and different tools. And it's all kind of in relation to sort of like nature, the elements of nature and how everything's kind of connected. Um, I'm also hosting a music producer and he's kind of plugging his like new EP which is called Amongst the Noise and yeah so he's kind of all of his work is kind of in relation to that and sort of like his visual interpretation of his, his EP which is just released last month I think and his name is Dusty Ohms yeah so you can find myself which is EF Taylor Art um, on Instagram Hi guys, my name is Abdul Malik Taylor. I'm Britain's first professionally qualified Muslim tour guide, and I'm taking part in this year's E17 Art Trail. And we've got a fantastic guided tour. We're going to be looking at the Muslim history of Walthamstow. And you'll be surprised, it goes back more than 100 years with some Islamically inspired buildings as well. 
And the actual date of it is Saturday, the 17th of July at 10.30 a.m. And we're going to be starting from Kelmscott School, where we're going to be visiting the first site of Walthamstow's first mosque. And that was in 1967. Then we've got a wiggly, windy route up Queen's Road. And we are going to be stopping off at the mosque on Queen's Road and going to be explaining the development of that mosque. What was the site previously? Not a lot of people know that the previous site of the mosque on Queen's Road was in fact a synagogue. And when the synagogue actually opened up in the 1920s, it was in fact the first Jewish event ceremony that Walthamstow Council attended. So that's something like, you know, was quite amazing because from one faith building to another faith building, how it changes with migration. Then we're going to be looking at also one of the main focuses of the tour is going to be the 40th anniversary of a family who were killed in a firebombing um, in their house. And that was the story of Eunice Khan, Eunice Khan's family. And there is a road that's named after him called Eunice Khan Close. And I've been looking at this incident, this racial incident that happened in 1981 for a number of years. And I've wanted to find out more and more about it. And it's just been in the last week that I've actually met for the first time the daughter of Yunus Khan. Yunus Khan himself lost his wife and three kids in the fire. And he did remarry. And when he remarried, he had a daughter. And through contacts of mine, we did manage to make contact with each other and finally meet up last week. And we exchanged notes. And I had provided her some archival material she's never seen before because her father collected it, uh, collected the information that existed in the newspapers, etc. And the mother continued as well. And um, she obviously showed me a few newspaper um, cuttings as well and the original cuttings as well um, so that was um, a meeting that I could uh, never forget and that's going to be one of the main focuses of the tour itself of the house being firebombed on Belgrave Road and we're going to have another like Wiggly route um, from Ho Street and we're going to have our last location is going to be Fellowship Square which is going to see the celebration of like the launch of the revitalized um, square in front of the um, town hall if you like it's got fountains there it's going to have um, artistic um, artists there it's going to have food stores etc so it's going to be uh, it's nicely tied in with the launch of the whole um, square if you like if anyone would like any further information they could go to the website which is www.halal which is spelled h-a-l-a-l tourismbritain.com and if you go to the feature tours we've got a, a special feature there which you can see the name of the tour Walthamstow Muslim History Tour and it has the red E17 Art Troll um, logo on it if you just click on that and go to the date of the event which is going to be Saturday the 17th of July at 10.30am if one clicks it you can actually follow through and um, you can book 
and we've actually got a special price. It's not the normal prices of our tours. It's actually a uh, much reduced price, and the prices start from £5 for a child, £7 for a youth, and £10 for an adult. And hopefully we should be able to see you on the day as well. My name is Christina Riddington. Um, this is Venue 36, Windworks Open Studios. And um, we're just at the front here. We've got a biosonification installation. Um, and this is something that we built from some open source schematics online. It is a device that listens to, well, it picks up on electrical impulses in plants and mushrooms um, and it converts it into MIDI signals so that um, it converts it into sound and music for us to hear. So you've got a little corner space here of plants yeah. and the music that we can hear is being made by the plants. Absolutely. Wow! <laughs> and it changes depending on what's happening in the plant. So it's actually very active at the moment. Um, there's been times when it's been very slow and mellow. It's affected by its environment, but also they do react to some people. Not always, but sometimes there's a really big reaction when some people come near it. So, What type of people? I don't know. <laughs> Just the people it likes, probably. <laughs> <laughs> is it playing really beautiful music now that me and Sam are here? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're in favour. <laughs> Let's go through then, because this, this is... A, I mean, I've been here before, and you did the E17 Art Trail webinars, and you walked us through, didn't you? Yes. And it's a beautiful house... So, yeah, just talk us through and then we go to the workshops, don't we? Sure, yeah. yeah. So, actually, Spike is right with us right now. This used to be a mechanics uh, garage and Spike converted this 10 years ago um, into more now. Yeah, ten, 10 or 11 years ago, yeah. We converted it in... It was a East End garage and we converted it into the art space and the house. Uh, and I was here for about 10 years and then Christina and Ben have taken over and kept the spirit alive. I'm very glad to see yeah. very much. Yeah. And it's great because you don't normally live here, do you? So it's nice to have it's you back. A, it's a home from home. So yeah, I always feel very welcome. Yeah. Great. Well, thanks for starting it off and we'll go and have a look, shall we? We go through here and... And this is Ben. You're the Fat Fox ben. Mushroom Man, Hello. aren't you? I am. Well, I'm kind of, yeah, part, partly involved with Fat Fox Mushrooms and, yeah, the and uh, Koivu knives, the kitchen knives. So kitchen knives is, is my baby also. So these knives are made from discarded metal, right? Yeah, they're kind of mainly made from salvaged, repurposed materials so that, like, the items... Yeah, I, I kind of... I guess the passion behind it is that, like, these items have uh, historically... You know, they've got a backstory and I like to kind of put them... give them a new lease of life and kind of keep that story going, basically. And they're beautiful and they've got beautiful handles and the metal has a life to it, doesn't it? Yeah. You, can, you can see that it's old metal, but it's yeah. been made to look amazing. Yeah, and you do workshops here, right? People can make the knives. Yeah, I do. I run, I run knife-making courses over, over weekends, yeah, where people come and, um, yeah, they've got, like, a design and they make their own bespoke kitchen knife that they get to leave with at the end of the, the weekend. So you are? I'm Lex, and I'm with Fat Fox Mushrooms. And, um, yeah, it's sort of a lockdown passion project. Uh, we started a urban mushroom farm in one of the studio spaces here. We make 
ready-to-grow boxes so people can just get a box and slice it open and spray it and they get beautiful mushrooms that they can eat in their own homes and for the art trail we've also um, done a biosonification installation where we can actually listen to the rhythms of the mushrooms so basically um, by putting some electrodes on the mushrooms we can kind of listen to their rhythms and translate them into the computer so that's what we're hearing now yeah so that's the music that we're hearing now we're listening to a reishi mushroom which is a really wonderful medicinal mushroom from Asia. Let me just put the microphone next to the to the speaker. Is it okay? So that's the sound from this mus- this amazing looking mushroom that's sort of got the cables attached to it. Yes. I mean, I've never seen a mushroom like that. That is that is mad. <laughs> How would you describe it? This reishi mushroom is growing in something we call a staghorn or antler formation. So when it's in a carbon-rich environment, it reaches to try and find some fresh air, and it sort of forms these antlers that are quite tall and uh, and red. And, uh, yeah, they, lo- they look not very much like your traditional mushroom. Can you eat it? It's too sort of dense to just eat regularly so usually people make it into a tea um, or grind it up uh, to take in pill form or make it into a tincture for its medicinal properties and then others are growing out of plastic bags with some sort of growing medium what's what's the growing medium these other mushrooms here are uh, lion's mane mushrooms and um, they're grown on sawdust and so you can see there's a little white sort of film on top of the growing medium and that's the mycelium and it's colonized so it's actually digesting the wood chip and growing putting out these beautiful fluffy lion's mane mushrooms which are very delicious as well as having medicinal properties what what do you do because this mushroom is like um how would you describe it it's like it looks like a sort of a round brush doesn't it no more like a sponge and it's nothing like what we would imagine a mushroom to be, right? No, but, no, I always think it looks a bit like f- a sea creature. Some yeah, sort of sea yeah, creature, like, yeah. The, that's right, and an anemone or something. Yeah, and as it, as it, gets, uh, as it gets a bit more mature, these are, are quite young. As you can see in this photo, they grow tendrils that kind of uh, hang down from the bottom. Um, and it's actually a really delicious mushroom for kind of vegan crab substitute because it has a very similar texture and a flavor a little bit like lobster. It's a really delicious mushroom that also there's some studies that have shown that it helps to prevent dementia and um, Alzheimer's as well. It has some neuroregenerative qualities. Brilliant, brilliant. So people can come here buy the mushrooms because you got them packed up haven't you but also buy mushroom kits is that right so yeah um at the moment we are selling mushroom kits that you can grow your own at home so we've got sort of pink and blue oyster mushrooms which are your more traditional looking mushrooms and we've got the lion's mane and we've got reishi um and we will also be doing some home mushroom cultivation courses so if you want to learn how to grow mushrooms at home we'll be doing those we'll be doing those last weekend of the art we'll be doing a little taster session and then hopefully we'll have some more in the future brilliant i'm definitely coming thank you thanks right where are we going next okay through this way this is newly set up literally this press only arrived um, a couple of weeks ago it hasn't even been unwrapped yet and this is jason hawkridge's studio 
Monoprinting, I think, is what he's got up here. And, yeah, this is... What kind of printing press? I don't know. It's, a, it's an old-style <laughs> printing press. Yes. But it's new. It so is. it's got a big handle that you turn around, but it's old... Yeah, but it's gorgeously new, but in the old style. Absolutely. <laughs> and this is, like, a lovely building, isn't it? You know, and people have just compartmentalised it for their own purposes, haven't they? And, yeah. and this micro-lab... It's just the tiniest little room, isn't it, where you you keep things very clean. Yeah. There's a flow hood in there, so it's completely lab sterile, so it means that when they are cultivating the mushroom spores, they can do that without um, contamination. But, yeah, there's so much packed into here. It's like a TARDIS. It it's, is. Um, every little bit of space is used yeah. really effectively. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's a TARDIS. You must say that to everybody. So is, and this is a incubation room. Yes. For for the, oh, this is what we saw on the webinar with all the amazing mushrooms yeah. come in their plastic bags. Can I Absolutely. go in? Yeah, yeah, you can. Um. Oh yeah. So they're all just sort of sitting on on the shelving, just growing away, are they? Yeah, so this is where they colonise. So these bags of essentially mushroom food, um, which they grow on, the spores are injected into here. They colonise, and then once they get to a point where they're ready to fruit, they get moved into this second room, which is temperature controlled and humidity controlled, which gives them the best environment for producing the actual edible mushroom part of it. Brilliant. And which is your work? I do ceramics. I've been experimenting with making glazes for the art trail and some of them have worked and some of them haven't. <laughs> um, well, this, they all look amazing. This, well, we haven't seen the ones that... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the wood ash glaze came out really nicely and I'm pleased, yeah, I'm pleased with the Which work. ones are the wood ash glaze then? Uh, the brown ones. ones oh, right. Yeah, nice. Yeah, so that came out really well. This one was a seaweed glaze, and um, it's kind of, it looks cool, but it's sort of, it's warped my plate, so I think a little bit more experimentation on that Well, that's, one. you wouldn't know that was seaweed, because it's a, a white glaze. No, I know. It's it's also got feldspar in it as a sort of, as a base, which is like a rock. So, um, yeah, I'm just trying different combinations. So you've got lots of different types of small ceramics for the house haven't you you know cups and bowls and and they're all very um earthy in their look aren't they how would you describe it i would say so yeah i'm i'm pretty inspired by kind of natural shapes and colors and particularly by japanese pottery that's quite yeah i can see that beautiful shapes Yeah. yeah yeah but yeah it's sort of I guess it's a, a bit of a beginning for me. This is the first time I've been selling work, so um, yeah, it's quite well, Everybody should come and get it then because yeah. it's, it's gorgeous. Thank well you. done, congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for showing us around. Thank you. So Happy everybody to has to come. And uh, are you open all the time? or We're open weekends, 10 till 6. This weekend, next weekend. And then the third weekend, we're running some workshops, um, which have to be booked online. They're all £5, and we're doing mushroom cultivation, life drawing, screen printing, and bunting making. Hello, I'm Nathan. I have got a series of light sculptures called Nectar's Light, number 10C on the light trail. 
Yeah, they're a nice organic shaped piece of wood that have been sculpted to varying degrees to kind of bring out the uh, natural forms of the wood, um, embedded with some neon flex LEDs to give it like nice, soft, uh, um, beautiful light. Um, we'll dim a switch. They do do a nice light, some nice desk lamps and a couple of nice pendants. Yeah, I really like them. Started on most of these ones during lockdown, just finding a nice piece of wood, uh, Hackney marshes, uh, wood piles by the river or a few other nice walks, and then sitting down in the forest and carving. I'm going to the park and carving and came with some nice, beautiful forms. I like it. You can find me at nathanbellcreations at gmail.com is my email, at Instagram, yeah. Hello, my name is Nicola Hepworth. I am an art teacher at Walthamstow Girls School here in Walthamstow and we've got an exhibition on at the Project Zero which is at the Outset Centre around the theme of Black Lives Matter within the context of the pandemic. This idea came together when Rhiannon, one of the students that's going to speak in a minute, came to me about six months ago and she had the idea that she'd like to make a piece of art in response to what had been happening regarding the Black Lives Matter movement after the death of George Floyd and the pulling down of the Coulson statues in Bristol and the other uprisings, she felt strongly that we needed as a school to represent solidarity really with the Black Lives Matter movement and express her and many other students and staff feeling about the injustices that go on regarding black people in the world and in this country. So she made a very interesting and powerful painting, which she displayed in the school. And we then decided that we would encourage others to do the same and put together an expression, really, of how everyone felt about this. Because um, art is such a good way to kind of put into realisation feelings which are hard to express. So we just started with a little workshop using magazine imagery and collage inspired by an American artist called Deborah Roberts and people like Hannah Hock from the past who created collages in response to things that are going on in the world. And then from there, some students went and made their own paintings, some in lunch times and some at home, and some used the collages to create some screen prints. So we've got some of the students here that took part in the exhibition, which is on display uh, both inside in the cafe area and outside in the courtyard. Hopefully be able to leave it up if the weather doesn't get any worse. Acrylic paintings are outside only on board and more works on paper and, and other things. We combined the work with this year group, year nine, with some older students' work from year 10 and 11. Several students had taken on these kinds of themes sort of independently. So um, we, we were able to gather some interesting responses. So yeah, four of the students are going to speak now about their work. So Nahir and Rayan, would you like to tell us about the collage you made? Um, so me and Nahir came up with an idea to do a collage because as two people who come from a coloured background, we thought we should like do a collage to show what we've been through and stuff. So the models on our collage show how strong um, black people are and how, um, as they've been through a lot, they can still stand straight. And uh, at the top of the collage, it says, can you see me? Can you tell me a bit about that, please? So the can you see me just shows that, like, um, black people do tend to get ignored sometimes when they try to, like, show their personality and etc. And we put the can you see me so, like, people know that we are going to get seen. And how was the process of making 
the piece of art because you moved it onto a screen print eventually, didn't you? Yes, it was really fun as um, we done like a lot of moving around, moving the collage around, and at the end we done screen printing, which was very fun, and it was something new. So Rhiannon, can you tell us about your artwork for the exhibition that we've just put together? Okay, so when I gathered the idea for this painting in my head, it's obviously for the Black Lives Matter movement. I was just picturing like what Black Lives Matter means to me. So the hair on the painting represents like it's a good it's a big part of racial appropriation and appreciation. And um, to me hair is a lot because like it's how you express yourself and how other people see from the outside. And then the crown represents like the kind of face, in quotation marks, of the face that like black people have to go on like when they come outside of their household or how they're perceived from the outside world, like it's kind of a face, which is why I actually got rid of all her facial features and replaced it with a crown. And the gnar on the side of like her body, that is a quote by Rose Parks, 1955, when she, was asked to get off the bus and she didn't move. So I think that kind of represents strength that black women have to show in society. And yeah. So, Samaya and Amaima, please tell us a bit about your collage. So me and Amaima decided to make um, a Black Lives Matter collage because a lot of people are really confused about Black Lives Matter and they don't understand what it's about. And we also have friends that like, are black, so that we want to support them. So this collage represents togetherness and confidence as all the black people are together. Um, the tear in the top left, the girl has a tear in her eye. That represents how she's, from the outside, she's confident, but really from the inside, she's like very sad. So overall, how was the experience of making the work? Um, I enjoyed making something like that shows like the problems that we face in real life. And are you glad to be part of the E17 art trail? Yeah, I'm really excited to see my art there. I'm here with Sean Rodrigo at 85 in the Art Trail Guide and Sean is responsible for these wonderful mini food banks which not to be confused with the mini libraries we've had for so long and he's going to tell us a bit more about the motivation behind making them and where you can find them and how many of them are there? So yeah, actually mini food banks, um, the idea came from the little free libraries that, that you guys have had in Walthamstow for a while. Um, actually renovated one um, as the first project I did during the first lockdown, turned one uh, into a Victorian style house on Cairo Road. And then that gave me the idea to potentially try and turn them into or, or work on a version of them where uh, you put food in and people can uh, donate and then it will go to a food bank in the local area. So working with um, a, a charity called Plates For You El Suffer in um, Wood Street, um, we we started uh, coming up with these ideas about what, what we could do with it and um, uh, we ended up with basically a ply cabinet that has 3D printed embellishments on it. So, you know, we, we, some one looks like a pie and mash shop, one looks like a grocery store. Um, they're all food-based, um, sort of themed, and I tried to make them as realistic as possible so that people, you know, see them and go, oh, what's this, and engage with them, and then maybe come back with some food to donate to charity, and, and it's been really successful so far. Mm, you've had them listed in Time Out, haven't you? Yeah, we had a couple, we had interviews in Time Out and um, the, the Times uh, Radio and the Evening Standard. Um, it's being picked up because I think people 
captures people's imagination. And I think it, one of the best sort of, to sort of go with the theme of the sort of possible futures, it's really nice when you can do something that you enjoy, but also it captures people's eye on the street and then encourages them to do something good. I think the reality is that donating food to charities sometimes can be a bit difficult to do that you have to go out of your way you have to have a specific time to go and drop it off at people at places so these boxes basically give people uh, an avenue to be able to do something good without it needing to be a, a massive operation um, and we've seen that with the amount of donations that people have, have have sent in so how many have you got of these food banks currently there are six food banks out in the street i'm working on one of them um, as we speak the boxes they're only small they're not they're not massive they're kind of 30 centimeters by 30 centimeters approximately as a box mm. and they've got a hinge on them you just open the door and put some food in um, and in the last i would say four to five months since we started putting them out there we've we've collected over two and a half thousand items of food um, which has been amazing and and every week we're, we're going out we're, we're checking the boxes we're picking up food from some of the other boxes where we have hosts um, so families who have agreed to host the boxes and we're taking it to the food charity sometimes um, an entire trolley full sometimes only a bag full but uh, it really wanes uh, depending on what the weather is like and whether or not there's things on um, whether there's kids on holidays uh, it, it but it's it's really amazing because any can that that's donated goes directly to someone who needs the food and um, I'm sure those people will appreciate it whether it's one can or a hundred so ah, yeah. did this start in the pandemic or was it before that yeah it's first I saw no it was definitely the pandemic so so, I mean, I, I work in technology and, and sort of using cre creative technology uh, to make interesting things as a, as a job. But during the pandemic, a lot of that work disappeared and I was sort of in, a, in my space um, at home with my equipment and thinking, how can I use this sort of in a, in a nice way or in a way that's going to sort of benefit other people? And the idea was that... I, I wanted to give myself something to do, really. So I started I started building the first one out of it, um, MDF and then quickly realised that MDF is terrible for outdoor use, which I didn't know because I'd never worked with wood before. But then also, and then I was lucky enough to, to get the sort of support of the local people and we raised over £2,000 to be able to pay for all the materials that go into it and I started making plywood ones. So the one that's made out of MDF is the one in the mall. Um, it's right opposite Asda, so that's actually a really good location. It's the first location on the, um, the our mini trail for the for the E17 art trail. And the intention is that people start at, at the mall, it's nice and central, and then if you go to Asda, buy a couple of cans, it'll cost you, I don't know, upwards of six pounds for seven cans, probably, and then go on a nice walk with your family and your children and, and drop off a can in one or multiple boxes. And there's a little map there that says where you can find the there other is. food banks. Yeah, so we've got a little laser cut sign up specifically for the art trail. The idea is that you scan the, the QR code on the bottom of the sort of black plinth that we've created and it'll then it'll get send you to a google map which will send you to all the other ones as well so if you're at the mall you'll see that there are six scattered around you and a couple more to come um, but then also if you're uh, maybe out wood street there's a couple in that area there's one in the village um, on maynard road that looks exactly like the nags head pub which mm. i'm very proud of <laughs> they really have a wow factor though i think a lot of people that have seen them and when that picture popped up on our creative whatsapp a lot of really amazing positive feedback came back off it and it's it's immediately people were wanting to go and see yes. these amazing they are works of art Thank absolutely you. brilliant and they do such a lot of good as well so what are your plans for the possible future then 
that's where I feel like I want to do more of these uh, food banks. I'm actually thinking about running workshops where we get, have people help me make them. I've got to work out exactly how, but mm. I'm hoping to try and launch a space, a community space specifically for technology design and sustainability uh, for good. Oh. Uh, I'm calling it the Fixatorium, and it, I'm hopefully going to secure a space in central Walthamstow and encourage people to come and help make interesting things for charities and schools and local uh, local people who need it, um, and and do it in an interesting way to so do it in a way that catches people's attention like the colorful boxes um or make things like you know uh, I've, I've got my eye set on a vend a sort of plywood vending machine that dispenses tennis balls or footballs for the local park um so you know just trying to think about ways of giving people something in a creative way that sort of captures their imagination so yeah mm, but well I work with kids and I think a lot of them would be really, really interested in the process of, of creating these things. And this idea of 3D printing, Yes. how yeah. is it? How does it work? Well, yeah, it's, it's something that I've and only in the last couple of years have got interested in. Um, it's it's a technology that most people think is kind of shrouded in mystery and, and is a Star Wars, oh, sorry, not Star Wars, Star Trek. I apologise to all the Star Trek <laughs> fans out there. Star Trek technology where, you know, it's it's sort of, you know, making something from nothing. But in, for all intents and purposes, the 3D printing process is very similar to using a glue gun, one of those ones you'd use to, to fix things in craft. Basically dispenses hot plastic or melted plastic in a line and it does that over and over and over again until you end up with a an object that's made up of layers of plastic. So they're not as expensive as you would imagine. Initially they were expensive and then they've come down. You can get them on Amazon for as little as uh, 250 pounds. Other generally. websites do exist. Other uh, websites do exist, <laughs> sorry. And uh, I just say Amazon because no, uh, yeah, it's ubiquitous, unfortunately. I just love saying that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my affiliate link, no, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you can buy them online or through retailers for, you know, as cheap as 230 pounds-ish, 250 pounds. And um, the process is, is fairly cheap. Uh, you can use recyclable material or recycled material. Um, and this project, you know, has been really good because we've gotten um, support from, from companies who are 3D printing specialists who have done some printing for us. There's a company in, um, in South End in Essex called 3D Filler Print who have been really amazing, have donated material, so uh, 3D printed plastic. Um, and you can buy all sorts of different materials that do different things. So you can have gold in the dark materials, you can have biodegradable ones, you can have ones that, that dissolve in water or you can end, end up with ones that are conductive to electricity so pretty much the amazing thing about the technology is that it makes something while you sleep you wake up in the morning there's something there that if it's working amazing. properly um, I make sculptures I make um, uh, toys for the kids that live in, next to me and, and upstairs from me um, well, You're like a, a real life yeah. Wallace, aren't you? Well, I'm like a uh, yeah, I'm like a. Uh, um, oh, I Heath think the Robinson. Ki well, I'll, I'm I'm not sure what that reference is, but okay, I'm Australian. Okay, all right. Contractions. I'm not sure. Okay, all right. Sorry, I'm Australian, so I I miss the the cultural references sometimes. <laughs> um, so I mean, yeah, I'm I'm a bit of a. Um, I think the kids that live near me think I'm a bit of a crazy inventor, um, but it's just because I enjoy it, and the 3D printing technology allows you to make whatever you. want want basically without needing to be a specialist craftsman or something like that and they light up in the dark don't they yeah the, the food all banks them. themselves yeah they all have solar powered lights in them um, so they all light up at night um, so if you go see it during the day or in, at night and with your kids especially in winter is nice because it gets dark early um, you can go to any of the food banks there's one on winds avenue there's one on maynard road fyford road there's also i'm trying to think the mall there is Tennyson Road. 
Well, there's a couple around at the moment. Oh, actually, there's one on Northcote Road that I've just installed, um, and that benefits Heat or Eat, um, which is a, a different um, a food bank. And I'm working with um, the next food bank will go out, um, and that will be um, on Greenleaf Avenue, and that will benefit Roxana Khan Foundation, which is a food bank at the William Morris um, Community Centre. And this box, the one that's going to go out soon, will be a, a greengrocer, and it will be William Morris themed with William Morris wallpaper and a William Morris wow. sculpture and. And yeah, so lots of things going on. Hmm. Well, that is absolutely brilliant. And I cannot wait to do my little trail of mini food banks and pack my bags with lots of tins and, and put one or two in each one. And I think it'd be wonderful if everybody on the art trail could do that. I think you're gonna have to empty them more often. I hope so. I mean, we're emptying them multiple times a week, which is amazing. And when we turn up to the food bank and we give the food out to the people who run it, they're always very excited and very happy because it's given them a way of collecting food without necessarily needing to do so. Well, there's Sean putting the heart in art there. <laughs> I know that sounds like a cliched expression, but I think in this case, it really is true. And I think if you go out on the trail, there are quite a few artists doing similar things. So really check it out. If you're interested in being part of the mini mini food bank trail, there is obviously a number of food banks around and they all have links to the website and the charity that benefits, as well as business cards for anyone who wants to take one for the charities that they benefit. Uh, we're also in the trail as number 85. Five. The way that we kind of connect with people the most is on Instagram and um, the Instagram account is mini food banks E17. If you love the project, if you want to be part of it, if you want to do something meaningful, grab a can out of your pantry and put it into the box and it'll go to someone who needs it most. Thank you so much for joining into these podcasts. We hope you've been inspired by the content and that maybe in the possible future, you'll take part and make art. It's hard to fly.